Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. What's up on a Wednesday? I am Brian Scott Repeat. My co-conspirator, as always, is Michael Borky. We appreciate you stopping by and hanging out with us on this Wednesday, uh, May 6th edition of the Rebel Report podcast. I unironically made tacos last night, not thinking, like, didn't put two and two together until I got to Walmart. Uh, so I uh, I basically just, you know, your basic uh, Cinco de Mayo. It's just in your blood. Yeah, it's just, it's so yesterday we were supposed to, uh, so my girlfriend's in town for the week and she was like, let's go. She was like, you want tacos? I was like, yeah, that's fine. But I didn't even put two and two together. So I just got sent with a list of stuff to get after work. And then I was like, why is this aisle so crowded? I mean, it was like a frenzy over there and they were out of a bunch of stuff. And then I put two and two together that yesterday was Cinco de Mayo. So uh, I guess I celebrated even though I didn't necessarily mean to and put two and two together towards after. But we got a big show today. We've got some probably pretty random topics to get to. Uh, we have some probably get into some thoughts on uh, college football and like if and how it returns and the uniformity of it because the Pac-12 commissioner is basically he had a, he had some comments uh, Tuesday that were basically I get where he's coming from but he he basically came off as him being like please please don't start without us I have no control over some of these states and then uh, I'd like to get into the, this Draymond Green. Chuck Barkley feud just cracks me up. And it's not even really something that's currently in the news right now. I saw something pop up on Twitter last night that I think was like old that I started reading. And I've just followed this debate like from a distance for a while. And I just find the whole thing hilarious. Um, but for starters, what's up? Oh, not a whole lot, man. Just uh, trying my hardest to maintain my say. It, it hit me hard last night for some reason. Uh, I was playing Call of Duty with a buddy of mine. Don't laugh. I know I'm a dad and stuff, but I still do that. Oh, no. Both uh, my roommates all into that. They don't have kids, but, like, we're close enough to the same age. It's a, it's a, Honestly, I, I'll let you finish, but I had a thought on this the other night. It's a good way to keep up with your friends, like, to talk to them though, for a couple yeah. hours. Like, you know, like, well, you wouldn't otherwise spend that time with them, particularly during a quarantine. Anyway, continue. That's a really good point. I need to start using that uh, on my wife. But... Uh, <laughs> I'm just connecting with my long lost friends. Uh, but, you know, it hit me last night for some reason. I kept thinking, man, like I'm starting to get stir crazy. Like I haven't watched a Korean baseball league yet, so I haven't fallen into that deep of a pit. But like we should be watching baseball on weekends and stuff. You know, it, it's I'm starting to really, truly miss it. Like I've been able to keep myself occupied or my mind diverted for the last few weeks being in quarantine and whatnot. Like I've done a ton of yard work. Uh, I've used the smoker a lot and stuff like that, but it's starting to really, really hit me now. So I need to find a new way to like distract myself to get back into positivity mode. Yeah. A little nugget that might turn you a little bit positive is, and I guess last weekend was technically the first weekend of May, but I did, I was looking up headlines on ESPN this morning just to see if there's something that was interesting we could talk about that like maybe I didn't see or didn't already have planned out. And you are having the UFC this weekend, and I believe it's the private island fight, if I'm not mistaken, but this weekend is, uh, this is May 9th, if I'm not mistaken. So you are going to have that, and while I'm not the biggest UFC guy, normally in the first or second weekend of May, it's a big sports weekend and you get a pretty wide variety of things. It's like a big NBA playoffs weekend. For us here locally, of course, it's usually some sort of baseball. And then you have like either, what is it, the Kentucky Derby? Is it the Kentucky Derby that's usually in May, or is it one of the other two major The races? Kentucky Derby, I think, would have already happened. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay, it's either late April, or early May, whatever. But one of these first two weekends of May, you get that. And then at night, you usually get either a boxing match or some kind of UFC thing. And while I'm not the biggest UFC fan or boxing, I like like to watch both. I would definitely watch them when they're on. Like this feels like, like it feels like a sporting event that's actually happening naturally in place when it normally happened. Like having an early May big UFC weekend feels right. Like I, I don't know. I just remember watching them at the end of college before exams and graduation. Like there was always some sort of fight or something that weekend that we'd all get together and watch. So we have that coming this weekend. We do have a, uh, and the Bundesliga is coming back, which uh, let's put that in perspective. Is uh, that the Bund yeah, it, it's like the German NFL. Um, so that I think is, even though it's not a domestic 
uh, sporting event, that is the first one that is coming back that is a team sport. Like, we've got NASCAR next Sunday. We've got um, golf events, but it's like two guys versus two guys, and then the tour is going to come back. But still, golf is a very individual sport. And no, Germany's not the United States. They got this, and it, it hit them earlier than it did us, so they're a little ahead of the schedule. But still, this is the first team sport that is coming back that is not in Asia. And it's a really big deal there. So I think that's noteworthy, at least something that we can pay attention to to see how it works and and if people watch it and if they can. Because I think 10 guys in that league, uh, for sure, that we know of were diagnosed with coronavirus at one point, and they're coming back. So that's at least w- worth keeping an eye on to see how it functions and if we can learn anything from them doing a team sport again. Yeah, no, I agree. And I would actually probably watch a German soccer match at this point, even if no fans in the stands, just to see some sort of team competitive action. But I did actually see that on ESPN's front page and uh, was trying to guess whether it was German or not without actually clicking on the story. So that is kind of interesting. And then I did watch, I've watched bits and pieces of the, uh, is it KBO or KBL? I think it's Korean Baseball Organization, right? It doesn't really yeah, matter. Yeah, KBO. Uh, I like it. We'll probably, I'll probably hold off on that uh, and t- get to some of that at the end. But I haven't. I haven't been the guy that's super eager that is staying up till 12, 1 o'clock in the morning and watching these games, but I've watched bits and pieces on replay, and I like it. Like, it's not Major League Baseball, and I don't mean that in, like, the quality sense. Like, it's, uh, oh, it's just not the bigs. I, I mean that in the sense that, like, like I, I read an interesting article, I think, in The Athletic, but I don't want to miscredit the right or miscredit the place, whatever. I was just talking about, like, this isn't Major League Baseball. Don't treat it as such. And it's not even like meaning the quality of play. It's just how they like the I don't know, just the the ambience of the game, the bat flips. There's more balls in play. Honestly, this KBO thing is is a lot more aesthetically pleasing to television because I mean, hell, I saw I saw a picture of a dude last night choking up on a bat to the point where it looked like a little leaguer or your coach who has his shirt tucked in way too far into his pants is telling you to choke up with two strikes. This guy was halfway up the bat. So like they're putting more balls in play. Like it's more action on television, which I think Major League Baseball could use more of. It's never gonna happen with, you know, numbers and three outcomes and all the nerd stuff, but it's a uh, it's it's a little more interesting to watch on television than your average major league game. Like I don't know, I would I'm probably too lazy to try this experiment. But if you put on a random MLB game on one television and the KBO on the other side by side, I wonder how much like which like wh- where your eyes would spend more time. I would bet it's the Japanese. I mean, excuse me, the Korean one, just because there's more stuff going on. So it's been fine. Not like a. Like, I'm not going to make it a point to watch this, but when the replays and stuff are on, I'll watch it. Or if I happen to be up at midnight, I guess, in the near future, I might. But it's good enough. Do you think there's ever going to be a shift away from the three-outcome thing? Because I saw a, a stat the other day about the, the NBA and how uh, the mid-range game has basically gone away because uh, the, the stat nerds have learned that the most efficient shot is a three-pointer, depending on the player, or a shot at the rim. So there's nothing in between. It's either take a three or you're finishing at the basket and don't do anything in between. But uh, some statistician or whatever found that the mid-range area is the least defended and the most difficult to defend area on the floor. So even though from an efficiency perspective, the three-point shot is a better shot, it's easier to get a better look from mid-range and so you might see a shift back to the mid-range because it's harder to defend with the current rules in place and people are less apt to do it because they think everybody's jacking up threes or getting shots at the rim so you might see a small shift maybe not a full-on like back to 1985 basketball but a shift in the more mid-range shots are taken because uh, according to the stat it's easier to get a cleaner look from mid-range than it is from three or at the basket I think you're gonna. I think that's a good point, and I think you're gonna see a shift in both sports just back towards some sort of like, like mid middle. It's just the way sports go. I mean, no, I don't think forever you're gonna see this gigantic, huge three outcome thing. Uh, I think there'll be a shift back. I mean, it's interesting. The 2015 Kansas City Royals played like an, almost a throwback version of baseball. And what's fascinating is they make the World Series in 14. They lose in a game seven to the Giants. Make it all the way back to the Summit and beat the Mets in five and 15. And four, well, here we are four years later. I guess it's five years later at this point. And that brand of baseball just really doesn't even exist. I mean, it would be unrecognizable today. 
And so I think as teams constantly try to find a competitive advantage and a different way of doing things, yes, I think you'll eventually see, whether it's basketball or baseball, we're jumping back and forth between sports here, somebody's going to come back and try to do things differently, and you're going to see a shift back. So, yeah, I think so. I think we're all infatuated with – I'm never going to say analytics don't work and all that stuff just because, I mean, it is math. It works. It's proven to work. But I think you're going to see a more of a balance of it and not be so analytics heavy at some point. I'm going to bet there's going to be some sort of correction. I just don't know how and when. But, I mean, like, go look at the 2018 Brooklyn Nets, like the year before they got good, which I guess was last year. And they had that nice like eight seed run and were a night or seven seed, whatever the hell they were, were a nice story. The team before that was layup or three and no in between. I don't think like I think you'll I don't think you'll see like in five years the NBA is not gonna be that. I think it's more likely that it goes back to a little bit, maybe a little bit more of a semblance of a mid range game than that. I just I, I think we've already hit the extreme and we might be shifting towards a trend back towards that, particularly in basketball. Baseball, a little different story, but yeah. So uh, where should we actually start today? I guess, uh, well, I have to get this out of the way. I got a haircut last night. Like I just, I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it anymore. Uh, not in the traditional sense. You got a haircut. Somebody gave you a haircut. Yeah. Yes. This was a homemade haircut, I should say. And I didn't do it myself. So basically yesterday on top of the shopping list that I had for tacos was a get hair clippers. So the only thing left on the entire rack in the Walmart was a $20, like it was basically like create your own haircut set or whatever. And I was like, this is 20 bucks. There's no way this is going to be any good, but I bought it anyway. I just couldn't take it anymore. I was like, whatever, I'll do it. So I told MC to give me a hair, give me a haircut or basically she had tried to convince me for about a week and a half. And I was just like, no, I'm going to wait. And then I was like, whatever, I won't wait anymore. And it's, uh, it's interesting. It's, uh, I would say seventy five percent it to the people. I would say seventy five percent of it is pretty solid. Like the front and sides, pretty like bang up job. Uh, the back is a, is a bit of a wild ride. I mean, like I think the old saying <laughs> about a mullet is business in the front, party in the back. This is like business in the front, front row of a Grateful Dead show. Hard drugs in the back. I don't know what happened back there, but uh, uh, things are not great. It's a uh, <laughs> I got scalped, so it's uh it's interesting. I uh I I I kind of took a look back there this morning. It's uh there's a lot going on back there. I don't really know how else to describe it. I mean, if I got thrown in the slammer right now, I think my street cred would immediately go up if I got thrown into prison because they would look at me from the back of my head and be like, "What what the hell is this guy into? What did he join?" So <laughs> it's a uh, I applaud her effort. Like I, 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 it, I held in all of my complaints in order to not cause a fight or some sort of ruckus. It was a good effort. I would have done worse, like giving myself or someone else a haircut. Literally, like the front and sides look like pretty much a normal haircut. I was pleased with that, but uh, the uh, the back is a bit of a puzzle. There's a lot going on back there, uh, so I might have to grow it out pretty long in the back to uh, balance things out again. But I would say 75% of a homemade haircut being good is a pretty solid ratio. And I'll just live with the other 25. Just uh, don't stare at the back of my head. What kind of scissors did she use? So we, we went with clippers. And I think the mistake was, so we start, we, we, we finished better than we started. Because we started in the back. And she was like, are you a two or a three? And I was like, I don't know, just pick one. And so she went with the two, made one swipe at the back of my head, and then goes, I can't do this, I'm panicking. And I was like, well, I mean, it's too late now. <laughs> So this is one swipe at the back of my neck and we're already pausing to take a time out. And I was like, no, just go through with it. And then she switched clippers. I think we settled on either like a three or a four after that. But I think the problem with part of the back is there's a, uh, there's a couple brush strokes of a two, a little bit of a three mixed in before we actually decided what we wanted to do. So, uh, the, the back was like, I guess the test, the, the testing kit or whatever you want to call it for the rest of the, the head. So, uh, that's uh that's how that happened. The back's a bit uneven. It's uh I'm not gonna lie, it's a little bit rough, but the rest of it I actually you, I don't think you could tell it wasn't a barber shop for the most part. So it's uh yeah, got a lot going on back there. It's it's a big melting pot, big big blend of different styles of haircuts, I guess, back there. My wife cuts my hair, but I hate to rub it in, but she actually kind of knows like what she's doing. She knows what she's doing. And it looks professional. 
So anytime or next time you're in Jackson, you need your haircut. Uh, I have uh, somebody on my payroll. I might have to go. Uh, I might have to. I might have to take you up on that because uh, see, we we got a little overconfident. Like she got over the uh, the uh, the crime that was committed in the back, and so once it started, the 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 sides and the uh, front started looking pretty good. She was like, "Why don't we just do this every time?" And at that point, I don't have a mirror, so I can't see. And of course, I was like, "Let's not get carried away here. Let's just see how the finished product looks." And uh, of course, I looked at it from the front first, like in the mirror. So I was like, "Yeah, this is not bad." And then I turned around, and I was like, "Oh God!" So, uh, yeah, I don't think I'll, uh, I don't think uh, I'll be a return customer to the Boudreaux shop, uh, <laughs> shop and hair salon. But I do applaud the effort, and I hate to be too mean about it because it was uh, she was being nice to help me out, and I would say for the most part it looks pretty good. It's just uh, we couldn't we couldn't decide what weapon we wanted to use, and we used it. Uh, we used the back as a test case to decide uh, what kind of blade we were rolling with. So anyway, the, uh, for the most part, pretty solid haircut. Just, uh, just uh, if you're ever walking behind me in the next month or so, you're you're probably gonna wonder what I'm into. So, yeah, that uh, that happened. That was pretty much the highlight of my night last night. Was uh, getting scalped. What'd you do? Um, we ate. I vacuumed the house. My wife gave me a haircut. We put the kid to bed. So you uh, got a haircut last night too? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to stop wearing a hat to work for the first time in two weeks. Okay. <laughs> I'm probably going to keep doing that. Actually, I could probably get away with it until Houston decides to put a webcam maybe from the rear. If that ever happened, I'm probably going to have to go like back Like over to the, the shoulder? But then you can't be like browsing the internet during the show, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like I don't, I don't want that. Like I don't want the back showing because then I'm gonna have to go back to a hat. I think I can get away with no hat as long as I don't uh, turn uh, turn around. So uh, hey, yeah. I'm glad that uh, they changed the camera angle in my part of the studio because <laughs> they had that one computer that you could see, and it's like um, you could be on like a message board or something, and somebody has a signature that has a uh, a thing that you don't want going out over the uh, the webcam air, so it's good that they changed that position. Yeah, this uh, I but I started overthinking the fact that what happened to my head last night because, like, I don't have a ton going for me. I mean, I'm short. I don't look like I've lifted a weight since sixth grade. Like, I had well, a pretty because decent... have you? Uh, no, no. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a fact. Like, I had a pretty Either decent pe- like. Yeah, the lettuce was a big self-esteem booster for me. So I wonder if it was almost like a, uh, it was almost like a marking the territory thing. Like I think she trusts me at this point as long as we've been dating. But I wonder if she was just like, you know what, I'm gonna be getting out of town for a while. Bars and restaurants are back opening. I don't want anyone getting any ideas. I'm just gonna carve my initials into the back of this guy's skull, and no one's gonna get near him with the ten foot pole. I'm just saying it's a possibility. It's a possibility. But anyway. So I'm going to come up with more conspiracy theories on why the back of my head looks the way it does. And uh, I'll probably get over it when it grows out in a couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, that was my night. Let's take a break real quick. <laughs> Podcast brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. You know what is a perfect cut? Greg's Cuts of Meats. He's got steaks, custom cuts, sausages, all kinds of different stuff. No better way to socially distance. We've had an incredible string of weather around the Oxford area that I think for the most part, we might get a little bit of rain towards the end of this week is going to continue. No better way to socially distance and to get outside, chill out, throw something on the grill with either you by yourself or maybe your family, loved ones, whatever, and just hang out and enjoy the beautiful weather. Let Greg help you decide what you want to put on the grill. Uh, go check him out. Lane train special, Keith Carter special, all kinds of delicious cuts of meat. Go check him out at LB's underscore meats on Twitter. I promise it'll make you hungry. Greg's been great to the show. Go help him out. Local business needs you now more than ever. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Uh, now to the uh, main dish of this show after I got my haircut complaints out. I feel a ton better now, uh, despite not looking any better from behind. We, uh, The Pac-12 commissioner, Larry Scott, made some comments, yes, I believe, yesterday uh, regarding the uniformity uh, surrounding college football. I don't know if we brought this up on the show yesterday, but do you think this was in response to Greg Sankey's kind of subtle comments about, like, we don't all have to start at the same time or we don't all have to play, basically? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he said it diplomatically, but, yeah, he he 
for as measured as he is, straight up said, I mean, we're going to play football. If we can play football, everybody else be damned, basically. I did a terrible job of setting that up. Larry Scott's comments were what exactly? Here, I will uh, I will read them to you. Larry Scott, the commissioner of the Pac-12, said... I'm trying to delay. All right, here we go. He said, quote, there's a spirit of cooperation when it comes to college football in particular. A strong bias towards making sure we do this together. We're all members of the college football playoff. And if we're going to have a playoff at the end of the season, we need to have uniformity on how we have a season. End quote. Look, I get where he's coming from here. He's having to deal, like, contrary really to every other conference. I'm not saying there's not democratic or or more liberal progressive states anywhere else in the United States other than the Pac-12. That obviously would be a silly statement. But he's having to deal with the more liberal uh, kind of left-leaning states who, California in particular, seem like they're going to be slower to open. I'm not, you know, a political statement there. I don't, whether that you believe that's warranted, unwarranted, whatever, I'm not getting into that today. But he does have three schools in um, California. Four, actually. I can't count, right? You got the two, the two in uh, the Bay Area and two in Southern California. That's and then right. you've got Washington State, Oregon, I think Arizona, I think, actually handled things pretty well, like in terms of like response to it and all that. But point being, like, if there's if you're going to put your finger on one conference that's like, hey, this is not going to happen, like if you had to bet on one, it's definitely the Pac-12. And so I understand like where he's coming from. I'm just not sure if this is going to end up holding much weight because when it comes down to it, if the Pac-12 is not ready to go, but the Big Ten, Big 12, and ACC are, we are probably having a college football season in some form without them, with or without them. So I guess the interesting part here to me is – are you going to, like, is, is this, when push comes to shove, are you going to leave the Pac-12 in the dust, or is you threatening to leave the Pac-12 in the dust going to force them to open up and play? Yeah, see, I don't think the the local influence will have an effect on California. I, I think there's I think not Larry much Scott influence is, to be had. No, I think Larry Scott is saying this because he knows he might be screwed. The, the Pac-12 has no real influence on state legislatures. Whereas in SEC country, college football has a real impact on decisions that are made. I mean, this state, for an example, if Alabama and Georgia and Florida and South Carolina and Tennessee and Texas and Arkansas and Louisiana all said, our colleges and the students are allowed to come back to campus. But for whatever reason, just an example, Tate Reeves says, no, you have to do it all online. The IHL says, no, you have to do it all online. Everybody else is starting to play football. Mississippi, they, they claim they cannot. I think local pressure would be enough to get them to change their mind because Oxford and Starkville cannot survive without football this season. They can't do it. Businesses by the dozens will close in both towns. They are almost exclusively dependent on football happening. There are enough people who have stakes in Ole Miss and Mississippi State who also have powerful positions in state government or, or in business that would make that happen. If everybody else is doing it, they're damn sure going to do it because it matters too much here. Not from a, oh, we just love football, but from the economic side. Oxford and Starkville do not survive without football in 2020. It doesn't happen. California in the Pac-12 are completely different. Oregon, the state of Oregon can say, hey, we're open, students come back. Obviously, you guys can play ball. Washington, the same thing. Arizona, all three of those states have two teams in the Pac-12 in those states. That's not going to matter at all in California. They don't even notice Stanford. They hardly notice Cal. They don't notice UCLA or Southern Cal, really. I mean... Yeah, like Southern Cal will put, what, 70,000, 80,000 people in their stadium, but it's it's Los Angeles. They don't need USC football to survive. There is no local pressure. Even if every other state in the Pac-12 that has football teams says, hey, we're in, we're going to play, that will not have any pressure that will not impact California at all. So I think Larry Scott realizes that he might be kind of screwed here, and he's trying to posture to get everybody to start at the same time because he knows 
that he has a state with four teams in it in his conference that does not really care about college football and won't be influenced one way or the other about it. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, if you've been to a Pac-12 game, and I act like I'm some expert, I've only been to one when Ole Miss played at Cal out there. And I had time because I got to the stadium so early to kind of just mull around and and kind of see the sights because it is a beautiful stadium in an incredible part of the country. But the vibe of a Pac-12 game could not possibly be any more different than an SEC game. Just the, like, sense of urgency sounds stupid, but, like, just, like, like and when you're tail like if you're a fan or whatever and you've ever tailgated an SEC football game and it's like a big game or just any relatively competitive game like people are kind of anticipating talking about the game and like you're like that's the main event to where it felt like people the people that were there were just kind of tailgating and like you know you may stroll in at some point when the game started like it was just a very more relaxed vibe definitely not very many people in the stands there was actually a decent crowd that night but nowhere close to full it's just they don't have the same like economic impact on the towns they're in yeah there's exceptions like uh pullman washington uh you know a couple others i guess Cor- i've never been to corvallis oregon but i'm gonna bet that's a pretty large economic impact uh maybe eugene to some degree but like seattle and washington not really palo alto and berkeley for cal and stanford no the two la schools obviously not not even really for arizona state and tempe and then i don't know Maybe a little in Tucson. I doubt it. The point being, it's just like the, they, those towns, those places, and that league as a whole, like I say that league, that's probably the wrong way to put it. They just don't need college football the way these places in the South need it. And it's going to create an interesting, uh, interesting quandary as we get closer to the college football season because call me an optimist, but I kind of do believe it, if it were up to the SEC, ACC, and Big Ten right now, and I'll throw the Big 12 in there as well because what the Texas schools have decided about fall classes, Every they're going to want to have it. Every state that has a Big 12 team is planning on having classes in the fall. But it's That could change, but all of them are. But it's underscoring something that's already been kind of brewing for a while. I mean, you mentioned what the Pac-12 has had two participants in the college football playoffs since it opened in 14. Is that correct? Say that one more time to make sure I, I affirm you. They've had two participants in the college football playoff. They had Washington one year get crushed by Alabama. They had and Oregon they, in year one that went to yeah. the title. So they've had two, and they haven't had one since Washington in, what, 16, something like that. I don't know. Point being, it's been— The last three uh, seasons have been without a Pac-12 participant. So in 2014, it was Alabama, Oregon, Florida State, Ohio State— uh, 15, Clemson, Alabama, Michigan State, Oklahoma, 16, Alabama, Clemson, Washington, Ohio State, and that is the last time that the Pac-12 has been in. And it just feels like they're lagging behind, whether it's attendance, whether it's quality of football. I mean, hell, you can put it on a late-night Pac-12 game and realize it's not nearly the same as the SEC or the Big Ten games you spent the majority of your Saturday watching. It's just not the same. I mean, I don't really – I'm doing a terrible job of, like, finding a way to tan- tangibly describe it and why, but it's just not the same. So it seems to me over the last half decade – maybe even a little bit longer than that. It seems like the Pac-12 pretty much in all sports has been lagging behind a little bit because of some of the same reasons we're talking about. And this whole coronavirus thing is just kind of underscoring that. So I don't know what this means for the future of the Pac-12, but I mean, like they weren't like, they aren't going to struggle because of this, but this could something that could really help put them under. Yeah. And I mean, they're having a hard time with their television contract as well. So that underscores your point is there's no demand. If you remember, the, the launch of the SEC network, there were a handful of television providers that tried to play hardball with the league, and they got such blowback from their subscribers that there was no option but to carry the SEC network. It probably still was and still is the most successful launch of a television network ever because every state in its footprint had people that are so insane that every television provider had to carry it or else they were going to lose people by the millions. Like, they didn't have an option. You can't find the Pac-12 network in Pac-12 cities because nobody cared enough to demand it from their providers. So, to your point, attendance is not very good. They're not putting teams in the playoff. They're not really putting guys in the NFL. They have a handful, at best, of programs that really care about football. Like, Oregon packs out their stadium every single week. Oregon football is a really big deal. 
but I mean, what do you, what else do you have? Utah and I mean, Arizona state's a bowl team, but nobody really goes to their games. In fact, they're shrinking their stadium. I mean, Arizona, they hired Kevin someone. Nobody shows up. They don't win games. I mean, who else in the Pac-12 cares about the sport? Nobody. It's a league that doesn't have any kind of demand to get better, right? Because if you're not – I need to reset my thoughts here. I am going all over the place. Like you said. What happens in Oregon is bad. a given college football Saturday happens everywhere minus Vanderbilt and maybe Missouri in the SEC. In the SEC, exactly. And they've got two of them because Utah is a pretty they, – they care. Uh, not to the degree that we do around here, but they, they care enough. They've got two. So the demand for television networks and viewership isn't there. The demand to go see the on-field product in person is not there. The quality of play isn't good. The, the states don't really produce enough players to, to really have a competitive league, so you've got to recruit nationally. But when you've got other leagues that care more, you're not recruiting nationally anymore. They've got a problem that is like geographical in nature and – I don't think they can overcome it. And so if everybody else plays and they don't, it'll get so bad to where I don't think it's a power five anymore. I mean, it's starting to feel that way in some respects anyway. I mean, it has, that hasn't helped. They've been a terrible basketball conference for the better part of the last five years. And even baseball has sunk a little bit. So it's, uh, they don't it's, care about that over there and they're good at it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you have the, the, the Stanford's, the Oregon States and the UCLA's of the world, and you're still, yeah, I mean, still struggling. It's it's interesting. Um, so I don't know. I get why the guy, I get why Larry Scott's making these comments. I did in some find ways, it funny though. I made some jokes about how he said we're all in the college football playoff. It's like, well, are you? Because yeah, not not really, pal. I understand what he's doing though. I, I feel bad for him. I, was say, I don't envy with- him, and I definitely might feel bad for him. In the uh, well, he's look at his salary. Never mind. Uh, I don't feel bad for him at all. Um, he he's extremely well paid for a commissioner that has a conference that doesn't make any money. But like the ACC has got a unique situation because although Syracuse University is not in New York City, it's still in New York State, and it doesn't sound like they are going to open up for things like this anytime soon. Uh, Virginia is in a situation where they have leadership that doesn't plan on opening up. But the rest of the ACC, South Carolina, North Carolina, I mean, Georgia, Florida, they're opening. So you're, you might have half of the 10 states in the league that are opening like by the end of this month. And then the other half may not open until 2021, talking about New York specifically. So what do you do? Do you make your whole league wait? I don't think that's fair because Clemson, for example, that's an SEC town. If that area doesn't have Clemson football, it folds. It's just like Oxford and Starkville. It's a very small town. It's close to Greenville, which is a metro area of like a million three. So it's close to a a highly populated area. But Clemson, the town, and Anderson, the area, is dependent on Clemson football, just like Oxford is for Ole Miss. Very, very, very similar. And if they don't have it, people lose their jobs and their livelihoods and, and the town folds. So if you're the ACC commissioner and you've got seven teams, eight teams that are ready to go, are you really going to make them wait and say no football for you because Syracuse isn't going to play this year? He's in a tougher spot than Larry Scott may be in. Yeah, and we seem to be inching towards like decision time. Like I, we're not there yet, but like every day. The end the of passes, this month. Yeah, I was about to say every day that passes, we're just slowly kind of inching closer to like, you know, push come to shove and like they're actually going to have to make some decisions which is fascinating and you know every i saw andy staples had a quote i think it was him yesterday on fine bomb shows like everyone is in i don't know mode right now and people don't like hearing i don't know well you're they're about to be forced out of i don't know mode because decision time is coming soon like i mean it, we're not at the end of march or beginning of april anymore I and mean, we're we're going to hit june before we know it and you're going to have to start getting kids back on campus if you want to play or, you know, I don't know. It's just we're getting closer to it, and it's going to be fascinating to uh, watch all of that play out. So, anyway, I don't know. I think we're having football in the fall in some form. I don't see the legit, I don't see how a spring season's logistically possible in terms of how that would affect the future of the sport and the next season and the season after that. So, I think we're having it in the fall in some way. 
I don't know if it's starting on time, but I think it's happening uh, to some degree. Anyway, that was really about like in terms of college football and college sports. It's really been the only kind of major nugget of news, uh, you know, post name, image, and like- likeness that kind of dominated the cycle last week. Uh, elsewhere, I, I mean, we kind of got into the Korean baseball thing earlier, but uh, I've enjoyed it so far. Uh, I think people like what a uh, what a week for like, what a opportunity for the whatever the league is though. I mean, there this kind of publicity they would never get again. I wonder if this actually has any long term impact on the league. I mean, you're getting games on ESPN. You're getting a whole new viewership market. Like, obviously, probably not permanent. But like, this is this is definitely a good thing for whoever the commissioner, whoever the commissioner of the KBO is, is having a better week than Larry Scott. Yeah, um, I wonder how much more of these kind of obscure leagues are going to get some kind of rights deals from a place like ESPN, who, I mean, they're losing subscribers by the day because of stuff like this. And now live sports is going to drive so much moving forward because there's a demand for it always, but now especially there's going to be a super demand for it. And instead of rerunning SportsCenter or Undisputed or whatever at 4 a.m., I wonder if they're going to start filling up their programming schedules with very cheap, obscure leagues like the Korean Baseball League or Bundesliga Soccer or whatever it may be from around the country or around the world, excuse me, instead of filling it with stuff that nobody's watching already. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like they joke, like ESPN has kind of leaned into the dodgeball thing, and they once a year they have ESPN 8, the Ocho thing now. Well, like you could put like Ocho type content just in the middle of the night when nothing else is on, as opposed to your point, reruns and stuff like that that no one really wants to watch. I mean, is there anything worse than like a, just a stale sports center in the middle of a midweek night that you've seen like four times already or three times? Like even the mid morning ones that are, I guess, yeah, most no, of them are live at this point, but. Like, uh, seems like Sports live Center sports itself. Yeah, Scott Van Pelt does it very differently. That's why he's successful. He doesn't do just a Sports Center. He does a he does a show. It's not. It's different. They call it Sports Center. It follows a kind of similar format, but it, it's very much himself injected into the show, which makes it makes it really good. I think the era of Sports Center might be done. Like that kind of show. Because we have so much access to their programming already that we don't really need it anymore. And instead it's not of appointment viewing like it used to be, I used to make a point to watch Sports Center and I don't anymore. I think there's a space though for it. Like honestly, like a, particularly for someone like I like for me getting off of work on like a college football Saturday night. Like I, I just I guess this year at Missouri, for example, I got back to my hotel pretty late, hadn't been able to catch up on a lot of the day. And I watched a couple of their veterans. Like, I think it was John Anderson and I think Stan Verrett. Like, one of those ESPN West Coast shows with their, one of their L.A. sports centers. And I got caught up on kind of what happened in college football throughout the day. I think there's still a market for that. But the the 7 to 11 a.m., just different iterations of sports center just kind of seems like a waste. Yeah, and... CBS Sports HQ. I don't know if you you've watched it or downloaded the app. I love that concept because it's it's Sports Center. It's what it is. It is nothing but highlights, and then like they'll have an analyst come in and react to like a big game or something, and that's what they'll do. But it's all on demand. So like I've got an app on my smart TV where I can pull that up and like watch it one time through, like it's a Sports Center, but it's all on demand, and you can watch it anytime. I like that. Like, I can get it on my phone or on my tablet or whatever and, like, even have it on in the background one time through and go about my day. But I would rather, if I'm just somebody, especially now, because a lot of people are going to be working from home moving forward uh, because companies are realizing they don't need to pay so much money for office space when people are just as productive working at home and you don't have to pay for their office space. Um, Having no other option... But to have that run three or four times through would be obnoxious to, to me. Like, once is good. And it, what ESPN should do is not rerun those five, six times in a row. Have it on demand somewhere, on their app, like watch ESPN or whatever, it, commercial-free, on demand, 
And you can watch it anytime there, but on your terrestrial channel, instead of just replaying that over and over and over again or having two idiots yell at each other, that doesn't get viewership, especially compared to how much you pay those clowns, um, have a live game from an obscure league somewhere. Play Korean baseball at 10 o'clock in the morning instead of the fourth running of Sports Center. It would be cheaper for you, and I don't think you'd lose viewership, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. No, I agree, and I think it's uh, I think it's probably trending that way. But the last thing I really had to get to today was this. I don't know. I find this hilarious and interesting. But Draymond Green and Charles Barkley's just beef back and forth over the last, I would say, year and a half is just kind of hilarious to me. Uh, I mean, I don't really. Know. I, I I probably should have done a better job like preparing and outlining the whole fight, but I don't really have time or wish to do that. But I just find the whole thing hilarious. I think the most recent comments did you see where Charles was like basically saying that uh, Draymond's false sense of ego is because he's like one of the background dancers in a band and occasionally he gets, I think as only Barkley can describe it, occasionally he gets some panties thrown his way, but it's only because they miss the lead singer in Stephen Clay or whatever the hell it was. That was basically the gist of his comments, but they've been feuding for a while and I think it started a couple years ago when Draymond had some game where he was being Draymond and I think maybe a cheap shot at someone or something like that. And Barkley basically on uh, on the TNT halftime show was like, I'd like to punch him in the face. And Draymond basically responded a couple of days later, like, why don't you come punch me in my face then? Like, he, you know where I'm at. And just since then, they've been feuding back and forth. I think Chuck calls him Mr. Triple Single. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and just things like that and like i'm not a big draymond green fan i think uh one i think he's a vital piece to what the warriors were when he was at his form because like what the what has honestly draymond's benefited from the warriors run is the last two and a half years of the warriors run he was at 2015 2016 even 2017 draymond green like he's really fallen off but at the beginning of it he was a borderline i mean he was an all-star type player and so I think he's been in decline, but like at the peak of it, he really was like, you have to have a piece like that on any sort of great dynasty or championship team, like kind of the bad boy protector guy. But he, he kind of, to Charles's point, he kind of just, I guess, uh, kind of thinks too highly of what his role is. Like he, he thinks he's, uh, I think he thinks he's far less indispensable than he is when he's actually pretty expendable. But uh, I, I, I kind of side with, Draymond in the sense that like one Barkley started this Two, Barkley is one of the greatest basketball players of all time like he's one definitely punching down out of his weight class here and like I don't really blame Draymond for responding but I don't know whose side I'm on here I think I'm on team Draymond but I like Charles Barkley better I just find the whole thing absolutely hilarious because both of them are kind of the same person in some ways and they're it's <laughs> to a pretty public and pretty funny beef yeah they're personalities are, are kind of the same. However, one of them is significantly better at the game of basketball or was better than I mean, the other. Barkley's one of the 15 greatest, 20 greatest players of all time. Like he's the MVP of the league. Like the, in terms of like any sort of like, I think some people are ignorant of like, like how good Charles Barkley was. So any sort of debate on their playing merits, like is just not even really a debate. It's a little ridiculous. It, it, Draymond's saying that he's had more influence on the league than Barkley cracked me up so bad, though, because I think he knows that's not true. I think he's oh, trolling. Oh, he 100% He's trolling. It, 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 I mean, <laughs> I, they, this kind of stuff's funny to me. Oh, I think it's hysterical. And then on top of him saying he's had more influence in the league, like they asked him about something. He's like, I don't want to talk about Chuck anymore. Like, he doesn't deserve to be talked about in the same conversation as me. Like, doesn't have any championships. Like, just not basketball smart enough. And it's like, dude, like, like Barkley may not have a championship, but it's because of Michael Jordan. Like, you have like you have a couple, and it wasn't solely because of you. I mean, like, like I said, I mean, Barkley MVP of the league in '93, like one of the greatest players of all time. But like you said, I think uh, Draymond obviously knows it. But can you blame Draymond? Because Draymond has this like. You know, I'm not taking any shit from anybody like like bad boy aura, and then someone comes at him first. Like, of course he's gonna respond. Yeah, but the Mister Triple Single thing, I think, was gold. It is. It is worth. Barkley is a funnier human being than Draymond, and that's another disadvantage Draymond has. Is Barkley is gonna slay anyone in a war of words, particularly <laughs> someone he has the upper hand on in playing abilities too. Like, it's really not a fair fight. 
that's something I miss too about sports is and, and for some reason they moved those guys off of two days a week just to one and had like uh uh Dwayne Wade and like a new crew on what was it on Tuesdays and they just had the the OG crew on Thursdays and I thought that was the dumbest thing I've one of the dumber broadcasting decisions in the last few years taking them off of more than one day a week oh i agree i don't understand that either like i don't necessarily hate the other show but they got something right with uh ernie Shaq, uh kenny and Tr- barkley they need it's to perfect. play that as much as possible it's, it's the like best the studio show, show in ever. sports yeah studio show yeah i mean it is i mean it, it it's the only one you think of and like yes i would love to watch that <laughs> that that cut of uh Barkley doing the ad read, uh, no, of Shaq doing the ad read, and when it's over, they all clap for him because like he he made it all the way through without stuttering. <laughs> Barkley goes, "Hold up, you clapping for him because he knows how to read?" And there, it's Shaq goes, "All right, Charles, you do it then." And then like three words into it, Barkley screws up the read. <laughs> I mean, they all have good camaraderie. Like, they all give each other shit. Yeah. They don't take he- themselves or each other too seriously. I mean, honestly, Ernie Johnson's are really good at his job, but in terms of, like, the other talent, like, Shaq uh, and Barkley make that whole show. It is uh, it is fantastic. But I don't know. I just saw something pop up last night about it and started reading, like, into it, even though I already knew most about the feud. I just think it's, uh, I think it's one, entertaining, two, relatively pointless, and three hilarious all at the same time. But, uh, yeah, so uh, speaking of beef, uh, if you want to go anywhere in the Oxford area and get meat, it needs to be LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Pretty sick segue there, not to brag. But go check Greg out, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. It's grilling season. We've got incredible weather right now. You need to take advantage of it. Go pop in there. Go let Greg help you decide what you want to put on the grill. Grill packs, Keith Carter special, lane train special, all kinds of stuff, custom cuts. Check out his Twitter page at LB's underscore meats if you want to get hungry. Uh, the ribeye sausage is one of the finer things in this life. Uh, grill packs, all kinds of different stuff. It is grilling season. Greg can help you put the best and most delicious meats on the grill. Go check them out, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. What else did we miss today? Is there anything else pressing that we did not get to? Uh, oh. it, we're in peak quarantine season. We are in peak quarantine season. Tennessee uh, announced that they are bringing students back in the fall. Uh, Is it just one domino after another? Who's going to be Vanderbilt aside? Because we—that's the easy answer. Is there anyone that, like, in the SEC footprint, that's going to be like, actually, nah, we're not doing it? I don't think there is. Uh, LSU, I think, might be last just because of the situation they've got there. Yeah, Yeah. that's that is uh, that's. But they are playing. They, they, LSU will play football by themselves this fall if they have to. Um, as Richard said, I think it was two weeks ago, it's not just Baton Rouge that needs LSU football. That whole damn state needs football on Saturdays and Sundays to survive. Yeah, I mean, as, as big as the Saints are, I mean, LSU is in a lot of ways is the rest of their professional sports. I mean, it's definitely their professional baseball team. I would put them... I mean, if you're talking popularity, are you taking LSU football or Saints football? I don't know which one I'd take. And I'm I, that football first. You think because, that's more popular? Because every non-LSU fan in the state in the state is still a Saints football fan. That's fair, but it's close. I mean, it, it, it's it's they're the only major like univer- like athletics university there. Like, I mean, it, that's yeah. what they benefit from the most. But yeah, they might be last, but like. You're telling me Ed Orgeron and Death Valley's not going to be happening this fall if everyone else is deciding to get in on the party? Yeah, everybody else is getting in on the party sooner rather than later. Uh, Mississippi, I have a feeling, will announce they're coming back. Uh, this next order, whatever it's called, when it expires and they go to the next order, I think they will make that formal announcement that they anticipate students being back in the fall. Uh, I tend to agree with you there. And then kind of... Because like, restaurants here are opening to 50% capacity tomorrow. I don't know. I should know this. I don't know what Oxford's deal is, but I it think... It seems like you're going to have a, a little bit stricter policy there, which is not right or wrong. That's just how, how it's been so far. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I just, uh, I, I think... Um, I think so. I think something's happening this week, though, because I was talking to my mom about this 
Uh, because I think they're letting non-essential businesses open. Maybe that. Wait, as in barber shops and salons? Those might be last, but but there for are. For the sake uh, of the back of my head, currently, I hope it's last, and I didn't just miss it by two days, for no reason. A little random side note here. Uh, I'm just looking at this UFC card and match number five on the. Oh wow, card. LSU has already made the announcement. I'm surprised by that. I I missed it, but this is. Uh, I mean, somebody just says. Tennessee has joined LSU and all the others uh, as making this announcement. I must have missed it. So, uh, not surprising. I figured they would be, be last because of the situation, but I guess they felt comfortable enough to announce it. I I'm didn't an idiot. know that either. I missed that as well. Are, are we sure that's true? Because there's a lot of misinformation going around these days. But let's do a quick Google. Uh, I was just put, pointing out a random note. I'm looking at this UFC card. Obviously, the, the main card is Ferguson and whatever Justin, whatever this guy's name is. But uh, match yeah, number five. LSU six days ago released a return to campus plan. Six days ago would have been last Tuesday. Yeah, I just completely missed that. That completely went over my head. But uh, guess who's on this UFC undercard? Um, Greg, Greg Hardy. Greg Ninja Hardy is fighting Jorgen De Castro. So uh, I don't. And know. he won't I'd... get kicked out of this fight. Yeah, I mean, that's where I was looking. They show the records by him. It says Greg Hardy's 5-2. and two. This guy's 6-0. And, oh. and I was like, I know I watched one of those losses and how it happened because I thought he'd <laughs> won the fight and then everyone was calling him a disgrace uh, to the sport. So, Greg Hardy, 6'5", 264 pounds against six foot two fifty. So, uh, I'll be watching this this weekend. What the hell else am I going to do? But, um, anyway, I think that's about all we had for today. Uh, solid show. Lots of different stuff to get into. We'll be back at it for Mailbag Friday. Uh, if you have a great uh, or terrible haircut story or anything else you would like to uh, point out about this show, uh, please reach out to Borky and I. Text us your questions. Tweet us your questions. Email us. Whatever ways you want to get them in. Mailbag Friday's back. We had a little bit more of a traditional Mailbag Friday last week uh, post-NFL draft. Uh, as The week before that was a little more uh, football-centric. But get your questions in. Borky and I will be on the radio, Sports Talk Mississippi, 3 to 6 p.m. Uh, Monday through Friday, so be sure to tune into that. Uh, appreciate you tuning in today. If you like what you heard, like and subscribe to the podcast. Rate and review the podcast. Five stars. You can say whatever the hell you want in the comment section. But uh, appreciate you tuning in. We'll be back at it for Mailbag Friday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.